Sasha. Hey, Courtney. Why is the devil riding a mouse like one and the same thing? I don't know. How? Because it is synonymous. 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 <laughs> Spoop hour. Synonymous. Synonymous. <laughs> exasperated but i was the one who like when she sent it to me i was like yes that's the joke we should do shout out to historytoday.com which had a collection of victorian jokes all of which were lovely and largely pun based yeah and many of them were like little time capsules of things like if william penn's aunts kept a pastry shop what would be the price of their pies the pie rates of penzance like classic little time capsule pirates of penzance william penn Pie rates, not cost of pies. We don't say pie rates anymore. No, we don't. It's Spoop Hour, a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. This one's Courtney. I'm Sasha. And as always, you can find us on the internet at Spoop Hour on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is where we put all the non or all the visual things because podcasts are not a visual medium. Very true. And Twitter is where we retweet stuff and interact with people. So follow us there and then email us at spoopar at gmail.com if you've got spooky stories, show ideas, a funny article that you saw that reminded you of us, uh, photos of your pets, because we got a lot of photos People of have pets. been sending us photos of their pets and it's, I love it. It's very nice. Thank every you. time it's a surprise and every time I'm thrilled. Yeah. And then I get to like text Sasha and be like, guess what? We have pet pictures. It's amazing. I'm so happy that you guys are actually doing that. Yeah. That brings me so much joy. We also got over on Patreon, because we have a Patreon. If you want to check it out, maybe think about supporting us. It's patreon.com slash spoophour. Obviously, purely optional. We'll love you regardless. You can't buy our love, but we do love being paid. So, yeah. And at $3 a month, we you get bonus content. It's so. true. You get bone cone. We just did the muffin scene from The Importance of Being Earnest. So if you've ever wanted to see us perform The Importance of Being Earnest, you can. <laughs> Anyway, it's such a weird, like, very specific thing, desire to want from someone. For sure, knowing our listeners, at least one of them has been like, you know what they would be good at is performing in the importance of being. <laughs> and I love it. So on Patreon, one of our patrons, Caitlin, who also sent us her pets, and I'm so tickled that the bunny runs the house. Anyway, so Caitlin contacted us because last week you told a story about how Hercules' wife poisoned him with a blood-soaked robe. Yeah. And I was like, I have questions. Where did she get the blood? Why was Hercules just chill accepting weird, crunchy robes? Caitlin actually has the answer. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, let's hear this. So Caitlin says, hello, I can actually answer the Hercules question from your most recent episode. His wife was tricked by a centaur. I can't remember his name. He was mad at Hercules for something, so he gifted the blood to his wife, stating that it was a love potion. He said, should she feel Hercules is unfaithful, to dip a robe in it and give it to her husband. She found out about one of his many affairs, did the thing, and he died. Source, I took Latin for three years and had to translate that myth. (laughs) 
Thank you, Caitlin. Nice. Also, don't cheat on your wife, it seems like, is the real message yeah. about the poison episode. <laughs> for real. Keep it in your fucking pants or ask for a divorce like a regular person. I ended up not following up with my mom in detail about the oh. chocolate thing. However, I texted her about it and she was like, oh yeah, that thing was like really scary. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh cool, okay. So we didn't have like a deep conversation about it, but, but she confirmed. So <laughs> I asked my brother the other day if he wanted to be involved in our wedding in any capacity. He didn't want to be a bridesmaid person. And I was that like, that sounds like your brother. And I was like, you don't want to be a groomsman. And he's like, nah. Hmm. That sounds I was like, like your brother. But I want you to be like involved in some capacity. And yeah. he was like, can I officiate it? And I was like, I don't know. Like what, what are your <laughs> parameters? Right? Like, like, like what are you I thinking? Need I need like, I need your <laughs> ideas of what you think is acceptable or appropriate. But we were, he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I, I'll be on my best behavior, but I require payment. And I was like, okay, what do you mean? You're my brother. My mom was yeah. like, yeah, what do you mean? You're her brother. Like, you, do you she, know how weddings work? Yeah. And <laughs> not part of the wedding industrial complex. Sir. And he was like, no, I, I require a pirate hat. And I was like, what? He was like mm. a really nice pirate hat. And I was like, why? He goes, because I'm the captain now. And I was like, okay. And then I just looked at him and he was like, or one of those like really dope tri-corner hats from like the colonial era. And I was like, what? And he goes, and I could get a wig. And I was like, no, at this absolutely point, not. I was like, I was like, at this point, <laughs> if that's what you want, I will rent you a colonial like costume and you can pretend to be John Carlisle and yeah. just like marry us <laughs> on his lawn because at that point I'm just like if you want to go full in colonial reenactor That's I will true. get you white knee-high socks Don't have to, to show it. off your nice calves but you and remember like the Jay nice Maddie little, girl yeah he, he needs to go basically he needs to go Jay like Maddie full girl. Jay Maddie girl like if you want this you have this to go is what's full, and you have to shave your face because your beard <laughs> would not fit That's with that aesthetic. And that he was like, true. you've given me a lot to think about. <laughs> and then he's like, never mind. Never mind. I regret everything. For context, the Jay Maddie girl, when we went to James Madison together for college, there was a girl who honestly did kind of look like depictions of James Madison. Well, and, and also she was obsessed with James Madison. To the point of wandering around campus dressed as James Madison constantly. I don't think anybody ever saw her out of character. Yeah. She was uh, always... Did you? Mm-hmm. <gasps> I saw her out of character once, and then was I think... Was it like seeing a unicorn? I think people who were in her classes like, oh. had seen her, because she wouldn't necessarily go to class dressed up like him, mm-hmm. but when she wasn't in class, she'd wander around the campus and look very like stoic and like very pensively at like the different things. Yeah. But she was, like, straight up from Alaska. Oh, yeah. And, like, attended JMU because she... She loved James, loved Madison, James Madison so much. But she was always in, like, reenactor regalia. Yeah. It was crazy. Short pants, wig, tricorner hat. James Madison was a very petite man. He wasn't, and he wasn't she large. Was, he was, like, what, 5'4"? Yeah, maybe even a little, like, 5'3". Yeah. Three. yeah. He's, the, he's the, a little The person. little James Madison statue on campus is, like, a life-size thing. Yeah. And I think I'm taller than it. But, yeah, she was also very petite. Yeah. Like, she was... I want to know what happened to her, because that was, like, a yeah, very... that's true. That was, like, a very specific moment in time where you had to be attending JMU at the same time that she was attending. Yeah. She's a time capsule, like, an LMFAO song. Yeah. Like, Party Rock Anthem, James Madison Girl. No, that's Meeting not... Virginia Tech. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, while you're looking uh, looking <laughs> Did that up... Did anything spooky happen to you um, this week? I know the answer is yes, so hopefully you remember. That we got 20,000 listeners. Oh, yes, that. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. <laughs> well, yeah, so we got 20,000 downloads over 
time, like the course of our two and a half years. So thank you to everyone who's listened so far. Take um, loop back to James. Let's talk Ma- about James Madison girl. She's still at it. Oh, she's still at it. She's still at it. Her website, which is sarahmariaeverett.com, lists her as actor and James Madison interpreter. She is. I wonder if she works at Montpelier. I, she must. She was. She's my age. She continues Richard to Wagner. interpret James Madison at local schools oh. and for occasional local events such as the July Fourth Parade, Constitution Day, and President's Day. Anyway, thank you for downloading us twenty thousand times. Yeah. When we go on tangents about people that we went to college with who like to dress up as historical figures. <laughs> and then this is not a creepy thing. This is just a nice thing. Courtney bought a magnetic board, a magnetic chalkboard, and took stickers that people have sent us and mm-hmm. um, patches from uh, Tin Ink Tin Studios. Ink Studios. Yeah, I'll, I'll tag her because I follow her on Twitter. Yay! But Tin Ink Studio makes these really dope cryptid patches. Yeah! Among other like fandom patches. Yeah. And then a sticker from JP, JP Brammer aka Ola Puppy. Yeah! Um, but uh, she took the stickers and made magnets out of them and Yay. the patches and made magnets out of them. So now we have like a little like like, spoop our friend's shrine. Yay! Which is really nice. I'm um, very excited about I'm it. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. It's it, really nice. It's because I have so much sticker anxiety, and we had all Me these stickers too. that are sitting in a pile, and I'm like, what am I going to do with these? Because I thought about, we have, like, a cubby thing down here, but I'm like, I don't want to stick them to the cubby thing, because what if I eventually get rid of the cubby thing? Yeah. So then, you know, throw, have to throw away all the stickers. And so all of my sticker anxiety just, like, prevented yeah. me from ever doing this anything This is a really it. good idea, because like, now I'm looking at this. Anyway. Oh, and I, yeah, and PT. So... Sasha went to physical therapy. I went no, to physical therapy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I should. One of my former students, very kindly, she saw that I was complaining about back and knee pain on Twitter and yeah, sent PD. me the the name and contact info for her physical therapist. Yeah. And I was like, you are so sweet. PT, I've talked about it, I think, on this podcast before when we've talked about like spooky video games. Yes. PT is a game that... It is, yes. ...is not a full game. It is... PT because it's a playable trailer for a game that never came out called Silent Hills because Konami and Hideo Kojima, who created Death Stranding and Metal Gear Solid and all that, had a huge public breakup. They also hate Sasha and want her to suffer. And they hate me and they want me to suffer. So I'm a Halloweeny. That's why (laughs) I am on this podcast. My fiancé, Jack, is also... Not good with horror, but he has more of a stomach for it than I do, and Mm -hmm. so he is willing to go to some scary movies. On Saturday night, we had a bunch of his friends over for, like, a guy's night featuring I was also there because I live in my house. (laughs) Um, And I think they don't mind me. I I hope they don't mind me. What led me to want to go to bed is because... We were playing a bunch of different, you know, multiplayer games on Jack's PS4, and we were scrolling through what he had, and PT, you can only play it at this point if you still have it downloaded to your PlayStation. Otherwise, if you delete it off your PlayStation 4, it's gone forever. forever. They don't have it on the shop anymore. It's, It's unplayable. So Jack still has PT on his PlayStation, and someone... It becomes PT. Unplayable. unplayable trailer. <laughs> unplayable trailer. I know Unti- a lot about video games. Un- so. Untitled boost, boost Bame. Yay! <laughs> so someone found him and was like, oh, what's PT? And someone's like, wait, what do you mean what's PT? And so all these guys were talking about PT, and they were like, let's play PT. And meanwhile, myself and our friend Steve were like, no. What if we don't, What though? if we don't, though? And then 
like, they were like, yeah, Steve's never played this. Steve has to play. Steve's like, I don't like scary things. And I was like, Steve doesn't have to play. And then they were like, what? No, but he should. And I was like, no one makes Steve play. And my I pulled, house, out, my, my rules, I my pulled out my knives out mug and was like, my house, my rules. Steve doesn't have to play. I was like, but if you guys want to play so badly, I declare that Steve and I will sit here and watch you guys play, but you're not allowed to make me and Steve play. And so I, like, grabbed onto Jack's arm and a pillow, and then Steve grabbed onto Moomin, and he, like, buried his face into it, and we had one of our group who's, like, he didn't find PT scary at all. He didn't find any of the jump scares scary. He didn't find any of the atmosphere stuff scary. He was just like, this is really lame, and, like, kept talking about how lame it was while he was playing. I was like, sure, shut up, but also, like... Stop, this is horrible. But we ended up playing through until, like, the second to last puzzle in which we couldn't figure out, like, how to keep going. Right. But it was, like... I, I've watched clips of people playing it, mostly, like, Game Grumps compilations, but I've never seen it from, like, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And I I know... I knew what was coming. I knew, like, understood the steps and, like, what you had to do. But there were just some things that... Even with graphics that are a few years old and, like, knowing that it's just a video game, it's a video game that never even came out, it's Silent Hill, like, it's supposed to be scary, it was still just really disturbing because it was a domestic violence situation. It just, like, the atmosphere keeps getting grimmer and grimmer and doesn't make sense and, like, at one point there's, like, a fridge hanging off of the ceiling and it's dripping blood or like um, right or all the hallway lights turn red or there's a woman in white who's like glitching out in the distance and then comes and gets you and that's the biggest jump scare I was very <laughs> upset about but yeah I so my spooky thing was I finally experienced PT like in a very organic setting wherein people were playing it I wasn't just watching someone play it like someone like on YouTube play it it was mm-hmm. like I was in my living room in my house where I'm supposed to be safe and and you weren't. I wasn't. And, yeah, Steve was also very upset. Like, we were, Steve and I were the most upset. Everyone else is just like, you guys need to calm down. And the two of us were like, no! no! You don't tell me what I feel. So at least, it, I, 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 the one thing was that I felt at least a little supported that, like, there was, uh, me being the only woman there, yeah. at least there was one other man who was, like, not putting on a brave face sure. and being like, I'm a man, I'm not scared of a video game. There was another person who was also like, I am just as scared. There you go. How about you? Any spooky things? Yes. So we are currently reshuffling some offices at my work. In your haunted office building. In my haunted office building with the haunted elevator and the haunted bathroom. Yeah. So we already established in this... Probably haunted where I work. Very uni- one of the elevators is talking a lot more than the other ones, so oh, that's good. fine. It just is like, doors open. It's like being on the fucking metro, but it's an elevator. And none of the other elevators do it, so that's fine. But in the process, obviously, we had to clean out the offices that mm-hmm. were getting reshuffled. And we unearthed this old black hourglass uh, filled with black sand. What? 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 <laughs> So I come into work, I go back to get water, as is my custom, and sitting on a table in the kitchen is this black sand hourglass. And I'm like, uh, and like, why? It's, there's, there's more sand in the top bulb than there is in the bottom bulb. And I'm like, okay, so is it like counting down? But like this stream of sand was so fine. I couldn't see anything coming down. And I'm like, oh fuck, is this counting down until we all die? Oh God. Is that what this is? Because it looks like. If you were to imagine the Grim Reaper as having an hourglass, this is that hourglass. Oh, I hate this. <laughs> and so I'm like, 
Uh, so I asked about it, and they're like, I don't know, we just found it in that office. And, you know, it's up for grabs now. And I'm like, no, thank you. Casually. I don't want any of that cursed object. <laughs> and my one of my coworkers decided not to throw it away, and it's on her desk now. So I guess we'll see if she dies when yeah, the sand runs say, out. like, good luck with your possession. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy your demon arrival, I guess. Like, but I don't want any part of this. No. Good luck. No. Out. Luckily, she's several cubes away from me, so that's fine. Yeah, and then the other spooky thing that happened this week was that Facebook unearthed a photo of the two of us from <laughs> January seventeenth, twenty eleven. And it's a great photo where we're trying on dresses that we did not have the money for because we were in college. Yep. And I Our, believe yours is just a full on prom dress. Mine, mine I think was just like prom dress. mine was like an eighty dollar dress that I was trying on for band prom. <laughs> yeah, and I think. Yeah, and Teresa was there too. She was. She's she was, the one who took the picture. Yeah, she was. She she was looking for something. She was my date to band prom. Oh, she, that's right. And then I already. I think I bought like a ten dollar dress from H and M for band right. prom, and so I was just tagging along. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's a great promo photo it's, for our podcast, and we're never going to use any other photo ever again. Because you know what I realized? <laughs> we're in black and orange, the official colors of Halloween. Aha. What so, are we talking about today? We are talking about Victorian ghosties. Yay! The Victorian era. Classic ghost times. Just Very prolific ghost times. Yes. And we've talked about the Civil War and America's relationship to ghosts and, like, wanting to do you get to say summonings good- and uh, seances and stuff. Say goodbye to, to the loved ones who went off to war and then never came back. Yeah. And, like, a lot of writers of the time were very, like supportive of that kind of yeah. like, spooky nonsense. So we're going to delve into So we're going to delve into that. And why and how and where and And actually it was funny that we did this this week because I was going to go to Richmond on Saturday initially but the weather didn't work out. The Edgar Allan Poe Museum in Richmond had like a huge birthday bash for Poe because oh. this weekend was his birthday. Yes, um, apparently he has the same birthday as Dolly Parton. Yeah. Because of something I learned that I re- when I retweeted it from the Spoop account because someone saw some account wished happy birthday to Edgar Allan Poe and Dolly Parton and someone rewrote Jolene ah. as an Edgar Allan Poe poem. Oh my- it's yes. so good. Oh my so God. if you haven't seen that, go follow us on Twitter and dig through our retweets. But yeah, like Edgar Allan Poe in particular is, you know, of that same time period, even though just American. Yeah. So the American Gothic and like the Gothic Gothic, yeah. you know, are happening about the, about roughly the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all so like it's 1830s all, yeah. to 1860s, early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when I was doing my own research, because I was looking at like how Gothic and like Victorian spoop is reflected in, like, modern video games. Mostly because I was still scared about PT. Sure. But then I also think about Bloodborne very often because ah, of Mysterious Born. Third Roommate. Yes, she um, loves it. But, like, a lot of video games then borrow from not just, like, Lovecraftian stuff, which mm-hmm. is the 1920s, but also they borrow a lot from, you know, the gothic horror stories right. as well from the 1800s. So it was, it was really cool to see even, like, games set in, like, modern eras where you have ghosts from the 1800s right. popping in. It's, it's, it was all fascinating. So tell me about Victorian stuff. Yes, so I'm going to go into why, as I put in my notes, what is the deal with Victorian ghosts? I didn't put the Seinfeld voice in there. Jerry Spoopfield. Yes, that was my Jerry Spoopfield voice. It's not my best work, nor is it my worst. So no. you're welcome. This is all courtesy of The Guardian and Atlas Obscura and a little bit from Wikipedia. 
Obviously, ghost stories predate the 1800s. We all know this. We've talked about a lot of older ghost stories. There's a medium in the Hebrew Bible. He says he delivers messages from the ghost of Samuel. Like, the Odyssey goes down to the underworld. You see a bunch of ghosts down there. Like, the ancient Greeks were obviously all over ghost shit. Like, ghosts as a concept are as old as time. But... Historically, this was an oral tradition, so people, it, it was in the time of when you still had, like, a bard telling you shit. Ghost stories were a really mm-hmm. popular thing for your bard to recite. So, yeah, no. your bard. Yeah. I just, I, I wish I had a bard. Yeah. I was thinking about the Witcher and Xena, and they just, like, have a bard that yeah. just, like, comes along. Yeah, I just watched The Witcher. Yeah. Didn't particularly care for it, but that's that's mostly a me yeah. problem. But, but the part know, like, I did like was The Bard, and I make it a point to not know anyone on that show's name except for Yennefer, because I also liked Yennefer. Mm-hmm. I could just honestly could not remember the name of The Bard, so I started calling him Javert, and then I couldn't stop. But I was a big fan of Javert and his silliness. Yeah, I mean, everyone should have a bard. Yeah, so let's, let's get back on board with yeah. bards. But bards were a big ghost story teller mm-hmm. medium. So like, if you're going to hear a ghost story, you were probably around a fire of some kind or in some sort of community setting. Yeah. And your bard was like, you guys are going to fucking love this. I'm going to scare the shit out of you. <laughs> Almost word for word. Almost word for, yes. <laughs> Prior to Victoria taking the throne in 1837, though, people in England were kind of getting over ghost stories. Okay. Ironically, the genre was dying. Huh. Ironic, because <laughs> ghosts... <laughs> we have fun here. <laughs> So people were kind of getting over the whole, like, I'm, I'm not really scared of ghost stories anymore. I don't really love hearing about them. But then around the time Victoria took the throne, it got a second life. Hmm. As English lit professor Ruth Robbins explains, because with the Victorian era came suddenly the rise of the periodical press. So all of a sudden, Mm. publishers were desperate for nonstop content. Yeah. And they needed it constantly because it's a periodical. So it's getting published every day, every week, every month. So it's not just a one and done book. It's something like, okay, well, that was all well and good for last week's issue. We have another issue coming up. Mm -hmm. So what what else you got? And ghost stories were perfect for the periodical press medium. Yeah. Because ghost stories were... For the most part, they could be short. Yeah. They were generic. It's a spooky ghost teaching someone an important lesson. Got to have a lesson in there. Yep. And thus, it was easy to replicate. So you can just like keep turning out ghost stories forever. And they could be trimmed to basically any length, depending on space. You need it to be yeah. longer. Great. Add in another ghost. You need it to be shorter. Cut that bad boy out. Yep. And now you only have one ghost in your ghost story. They weren't typically accompanied by illustrations either. So you don't have to waste time trying to get an engraver in there. You just have print. And because there was no illustrations, there wasn't really a consensus on what ghosts looked like in the Victorian era, Ah. which is interesting. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of ghosts from the Victorian era now are portrayed as just wearing the clothes, right? Yes. Go ahead and put that ghost clothes on the Chekhov's mantelpiece, (laughs) as we often do. And what's interesting is these stories were often hyper-realistic because... Not unlike today's stories, but a little bit different. These stories were told hyper-realistically because the goal was to scare. Yeah. So what could be scarier than telling this, like, super realistic story about, like, a house that you as a reader recognize or a factory mm. that you as a reader recognize that has a ghost coming out? That What could be scarier? Yeah. If you're just like, 
in a made-up country, this ghost came out, and then there was a unicorn. Like, eh, yeah. not as scary. But if you're like, oh, shit, that sounds like my that friend Brian's house. Yeah, that neighborhood in London, that yeah. has a weird house. Oh, shit, yeah. I've been to that bakery. Mm-hmm. There's ghosts in there? So the whole point was to scare people, and they were really good at it. Victorian magazines in particular craved these spooky tales, including one run by none other than Charles Dickens. Dickens had grabbed hold of the genre in the lead up to Christmas 1843 when he wrote this little serial. It didn't really take off. I don't know if you've heard of it. It was called A Christmas Carol. (laughs) With it, Dickens tied together several traditions in the Victorian era and a nice little ghost story bow. At the time, Christmas had already been associated with ghosts for forever. The Guardian recounts a Christmas 1642 tale in which shepherds saw ghostly soldiers battling in the heavens. That's so... I just love the, like, old association of ghosts and Christmas. Yeah. It was a good time. That just tickles me. Let's bring that back. Bring that back in 2020. 2020 ghosts at Christmas. The Victorian era also saw a rise in wanting to associate Christmas with community-based traditions. Mm. So rather than just, you know, focusing on the religious aspect of it, it was more about reflecting on your community and the role you play in it. So they wanted to bring up more themes like helping the poor, reflecting on your life and the choices you've made and how you can maybe make Ebenezer better choices. Scrooge did all of that. And embracing those around you, which Ebenezer Screws ultimately did after a bunch of ghosts showed up. A Christmas Carol was also published the same year as the first commercially produced Christmas card. So it was really just like the perfect storm of Christmas spirit where people were like, I am willing to pay money for Christmas things. I'm into this idea of like community Christmas shit and doing nice things for my neighbors and ghosts being around the holidays because that's always how it's been. And it would come to help define the genre of Victorian ghost stories. So when you look at it, really Christmas Carol was this, when we think of it now, it's very obviously like a Christmas morality tale. But at the time this was like, the Victorian ghost story. So it's like, oh, did you read that ghost story? Oh, A Christmas Carol? Yeah, I fucking loved it. In the same way that technically Oliver Twist is about a murder. Dickens had a magazine of his own. It was called All the Year Round, (laughs) which is a name that could only work in the Victorian era. Now people would be like, I don't like it and I don't want to read it. Anyway, it went on to always publish ghost stories at Christmas. And it featured such genre stars as Elizabeth Gaskell, who also wrote North and South, which, as I put in my notes, was made into an excellent miniseries with Richard Armitage being handsome and brooding, but sadly lacking in ghosts. But he is very handsome in it. So if you like brooding Victorian romantic heroes, go ahead, watch North and South. It is great. And, like, misunderstandings between Mm. the main guy and the main lady. Like, all of... And, like, I hate you, but maybe I don't hate you. And, oh, maybe you're not who I thought you were. Like, if you love that Pride and Prejudice shit, go ahead and watch North and South. Make sure you don't get the one with... I think it's Patrick Swayze. That one's about the Civil War. (laughs) Watch the one that's set in Victorian England. You will not... I mean, you can watch the other one, too. Wilkie Collins was also a routine feature in Charles Dickens' magazine. You may know Wilkie Collins from The Woman in White, which, Mm. while Victorian and spooky, doesn't actually have ghosts in it. But there is crime, and if I remember correctly, a murder. So, because we read it in my 19th century crime novel class. Because sensation novels were the fucking thing. So even even the rise of the sensation novel and murder as a term and, like, the concept of murder... All of these things contributed to an era where people were like, we love this spooky shit. Give us the spooky. Give us more. We love this true crime shit. We love this fake crime shit. We love these ghost stories. Om nom nom. Content, content, content. But it wasn't just the rise of the periodical and the need for nonstop content 
that saw the resurgence of ghost stories. The Victorian era also saw the world becoming rapidly industrialized. Mm -hmm. So they had a ton of technological advancements, including things like trains, the telegraph, and gas power were now commonplace. So that's nuts. Goods could now move across countries, which was previously unheard of unless you had a really fast horse. Messages could be received near instantaneously from all over the world. And Victorian houses were now lit with the flickering and cheap gaslight, which mm-hmm. ran candlelight out of town. Sewers were suddenly a thing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really have anything to do with anything spooky. It's just a fun fact. I don't know. Sewers can be kind of scary. That's you true. What's down there? I would argue it's scarier not to have a sewer, but you know, yeah. why not? And with all of these tech advancements, people started moving out of their rural villages to cities and towns where the new fancy jobs were. Mm. So, with this new middle class traveling to cities and towns, they were living in houses where suddenly they had servants because people had money to get things like a servant class. And according to Roger Clark in his book, A Natural History of Ghosts, 500 Years of Hunting for Proof, these people mostly moved into these houses and hired their staff in October and November. Hmm. You may know October and November as being in the fall, when the sun is setting earlier. Hmm. So now, all of these people in the Victorian era have found themselves in new houses where they've never lived before, with new people around under express orders to both make the household run and to make the magic happen without being seen or heard to the point of having dedicated secret hidden doors and corridors so you never had to see a servant in your life. <laughs> and outside is getting dark early, and the gaslight gives the illusion of movement in the shadows even when there isn't anything moving, and the house is maybe a little creaky. So guess what this is a recipe for? Spooky shit! Seeing some fucking ghosts. And so, like, I put in my notes. We're going to do a little imagination scenario. Yeah, imagination. It's nighttime. You're in your house. You've lived here for, I don't know, we'll say we'll say three weeks. Yeah. So every time it creaks, you're, it scares the shit out of you because you're not used to it. And you're like, oh, fuck, there's a person in my house that I don't know about. And you turn down your corridor. Again, nighttime. Gas lights going. Mm-hmm. And you see someone emerge from the wall and then disappear once they reach the other side of the hallway. Obviously, you're going to flip your shit. You're going to be yeah. like, holy fuck. Oh, what was that? I just saw a fucking oh. ghost. I hate this. And it's def- you're definitely not going to think, oh, that's a servant doing what I pay them to do, which is to be neither seen nor heard and using their secret servant's doors because I don't like seeing the people that work for me. I don't like to see the poor. Who does? Just hide them away in their weird secret doors. And something else contributing to it. What do we know to be true of burning natural gas indoors? Why shouldn't you do it? Carbon dioxide? Yes, and carbon monoxide. Oh, monoxide, that's what it was. Yeah. Sorry, carbon dioxide is the one we exhale. Carbon yes. monoxide is the, the bad, bad one. one. So, what happens when you inhale too much carbon monoxide? Hallucinations. That's right, hallucinations. So, it's really, you have all of these perfect recipes for people to be out of their fucking gourds on carbon monoxide. Mm. Seeing people disappear through walls, popping up in unexpected places, seeing weird movement because of the way gaslight is flickering. And a lot of houses, particularly the wealthier ones, had reflective wallpaper to make the effect of the gaslight extend, but really just make things look like they're moving when they're not. And you have houses that are creaking in ways that they're not used to. Of course you're going to see fucking ghosts. How could you not see fucking ghosts out of your gourd on carbon monoxide? So, all of these advancements have happened, and so things that used to seem like far-fetched magic dreams are now literally in your house all the time. 
Just constantly. Yeah. And spiritualism was on the rise too, as we know, in America at least, at least partially due to the Civil War, or maybe because of the gas lamps, because everybody was getting high and seeing ghosts, and maybe because all of these other seemingly impossible things turned out to be possible, so maybe science could explain the beyond too. Like, who would have thought that you could, you know, communicate from Europe to America almost instantaneously using a telegram? So why couldn't the dead be like, beep, 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 beep. what's up? And the Fox sisters reported hearing mysterious tapping in 1848, claiming it was a ghost talking to them in code, which now seems ridiculous. But again, the telegraph has just been invented. And so all these messages are just tap, tap, tap in their way across the country. So why can't ghosts also be tap, tap, tapping from the other side of the curtain? This just makes me think of like contemporary horror films where like people possess computers and yeah, and are like, I have your internet now, bitch. Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like ghost talk. Bitch. So that's why Victorians liked ghost stories, but why is it that now so many of our ghosts are rocking Victorian clothes? Let's go ahead and take those Victorian clothes down off the Mount of the Beast. Tell me. So, obviously, as purveyors of this podcast, our idea of ghosts is a little different. We've told a lot of different kinds of ghosts and different kinds of ghost stories, but if you were to average out the depiction of them, you'd most likely get a woman in a corset with a multi-layer dress, possibly wearing a color. Or you'd get a male ghost in tails and a hat looking very fancy and having a mustache. Or you'd get a sickly Victorian child in a nightgown, possibly named Penelope. It's possibly not important. John Mulaney in an oversized nightshirt. It's hard to say. Was there even a ghost, ghost mother? <laughs> or was it just me? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this might be due to how good the Victorian ghost story was. Over the years they perfected the genre because they were telling so many ghost stories. So it might just be because they really nailed it. So now Victorian ghost stories have been retold and remade into radio programs, films, TV shows, you name it. Podcasts, probably like, Oh yeah. Everything. There are so many Victorian ghost stories. You can't escape them. Elements of them have been incorporated into a lot of modern horror as well. Look at Crimson Peak from Guillermo del Toro a few years ago. Classic gothic Victorian horror. Yeah. It's great. I used to use the trailer for Crimson Peak Mm -hmm. and some, like, visual, like, just screenshots from it Mm -hmm. when I was teaching, like, the Victorian, not Victorian, but, like, the gothic ghost stories, but we don't have that in our curriculum anymore. Or, rather, we don't have time in our curriculum to include that anymore. Yeah. And then you even look at something like Nearly Headless Nick in the Harry Potter Mm -hmm. books, who is... What else? A Victorian dude who got his head cut off, mostly. Very fancy. Very fancy Victorian dude. Despite the relatively short span of history that the Victorian era represents, its ghost stories have had an outsized impact on the world of horror stories at large. Interestingly, the modern era is poised for Victorian-style spoop resurgence. If you think about it, in the past 15 or so years, technology has advanced so crazy fast. We now have high-speed wireless internet as the norm when 15 years ago... You maybe had high-speed internet, but you for sure had it via an Ethernet cord. Mm -hmm. And we now have smartphones, which were a distant dream for rich people 15 years ago. Now everybody has them, pretty much, because that's the cost of doing business in the modern world. Social media is dictating everything, which pretty much didn't exist prior to 2004, at least not in the level that it exists today. Mm -hmm. Like, streaming services exist. You can have any movie you want, basically, in the blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. And io9 reported that what's... Okay, so this is this is just me thinking something is interesting. Yeah. 
basically, with all of this technology, Atlas Obscura posits, we have seen similar levels of advancement that the Victorian era did. Yeah. So with that, people are kind of swinging from how much technology there is and how many advancements have been made to embracing our more spiritualist roots and getting Mm. more into ghost stories and the macabre and things like that. io9 reported that a 2014 National Science Foundation study found that more than 40% of Americans believed in astrology as a science. (laughs) Not as a thing that's kind of fun, but as like, this is science. And that was the highest percentage they'd seen in this survey since 1983. So that's saying something. Tarot cards have blown up in popularity too. What was once kind of an obscure thing that only Wiccans were into and Satanists and whatever. Now it's become kind of more mainstream. You see a lot more tarot cards floating around. I follow a lot of artists who are working on their own decks. And I'm so excited to throw money at them. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) But like, think about 10 years ago. Right, well... Yeah. In certain circles, yes, but like yeah. as mainstream as yeah, it is now. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's not mainstream, but I've had my own tarot deck since I was like 11. Yeah, so. but that was like... <laughs> yeah, that, was, a, that was, I was, that was a outlying thing. Yeah, that like, wasn't like you went to I friends' was, houses and they also I, had tarot decks. I was decks. the only person, probably, most likely the only person in my entire elementary school who had their own tarot deck. Yeah. So, yeah. So, basically, this resurgent of spoopy nonsense is likely a way of reminding ourselves that there are still things we don't understand even when we are in the midst of an era that is just solving all of life's mysteries. Mm -hmm. So, like, we're demystifying so many things, so human nature is to then swing the other way and be like, don't worry, we still have mystic shit. Yeah, actually, so I, you know, teach IB students in addition to regular, like, regular ed students. Yeah. And, like, I have one table of kids. It's one girl who's, like, really deep into astrology, mm-hmm. and then her friend who's now getting into astrology, and then a boy who sits there and also downloaded the CoStar app, and he's like, I nice. wonder what this means. But part the, of the 40% of Americans. But the girl who's, like, super into it students. is, like, like super into it. Like, yeah. she can rattle information off the top of her head, and, like, it's it's been fascinating to talk to her about that stuff. Yeah. But I, and I'm not actually sure if she believes in it as a science, or mm-hmm. if she is just really deep, deeply interested in it, but... With a grain of salt. Right. Or a salt lick salt. <laughs> but yeah, it's... it's that, That's interesting. Yeah, and that's kind of the same thing as the Victorian era. We don't have data on how many of them truly believed in astronomy mm-hmm. or uh, astrology. Hopefully they all believed in astronomy, but probably not given the course of human history. Yep. And we don't have you any... You need fr- to tell me that we orbit a star and that star is... Also, like, rocketing through space. Like, no, super- I would never tell no, you that. You never That's tell complete that. nonsense, Sasha. <laughs> and we don't have information on how many of them, like, truly believed in ghosts or mm-hmm. how many of them were enjoying it the way we do or the way I do, where I'm like, this probably isn't real, but sure. Why not? Let's read about it. It's in my morning paper. Yeah. I love it. Read me my horoscope. Like, yeah. we don't have information on that. But I imagine that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were enjoying it without necessarily being like, ghosts are definitely real. They were probably just like, this is a fun story. I like this. I would say maybe back in the day, it was probably easy. It was easier to believe in ghosts oh, yeah. because of the more active imagination. Yeah. Fewer people, fewer, th- less science. Less, less reliable light. L- less reliable science that had proven things otherwise yeah you know yeah and like you know we say it was a dark time metaphorically but it was also literally a dark time even gaslight as like radical as it was compared to candlelight it's still pretty dark well yeah and And like like, what are you made of money you're not gonna burn the gaslights all night so you're gonna turn them off and then it's still dark and spooky and you're in this big house that's creaky 
The, so, um, I mean, the, even the idea of, like, during the Industrial Revolution, and there was so much coal smoke, and yeah. literally everything was gray and gross. <laughs> Everybody was low-key suffocating all the time. Yeah. Like, that's, I think, one of my favorite details of importance being earnest, the film version with Colin Firth. Yeah. Is that, like, you have these two men, like, literally walking around, like, slip-covered streets in London. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how it was. And yeah. so, of course... Oh, same with Sherlock. Um, yeah. The, the Sherlock... The, the, um... The Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. So, you know, it was very... I'm sure it was very easy to believe in ghosts back then. I would never take it away from them. It certainly makes sense. I probably would have believed in ghosts back then, too, because I would have been high out of my mind without oxygen. And lots of opium. Yes. So I'd be on opium. I'd be oxygen deprived. I'd be like, oh, fuck, it's a fucking ghost. You, you and my servant would be like... You. Yeah, my, my servant would be like... No, it's it's me. Um, I was just tidying up. Whatever. Fuck you, <laughs> fucking overlord. And then my servant would poison me, and we'd all win. That's how I imagined myself in the Victorian era. Amazing. <laughs> is getting poisoned by a servant. I'm the servant. I knew it. <laughs> oh, I knew it. Oh man, we got to get a past life reading done because if that turns out to be our past lives, I'm gonna lose my mind. That'd be so funny. <laughs> that would be funny as shit. Oh man, it'd be so funny. And that would be why psychics keep telling me to get away from you is because uh, they can sense that in a past life you killed me. In a past life. <laughs> Yeah, my, me asking you to be my bridesmaid is an elaborate ruse to spend more time with me so you can kill me. I was going to say to red wedding my own wedding. <laughs> You're going to lock the doors and the reins of Casimir is going to start playing. I'm going to be like, oh, this is weird. I didn't realize Sasha was that into Game of Thrones. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I hope so. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. Den of Geek wrote a piece called Bloodborne, the best gothic horror story of modern gaming. And they basically start out with like how the horror genre has changed over the 20th century sure. and like why we went from like gothic horror being like the thing yeah. to kind of it falling out of favor. And so basically it seems that the sub the subgenre is romanticism began to start like feel a little dated. The appeal to like dark and stormy nights mm-hmm. and immaculately dressed heroes and the under and villains and underlying sexual tones of gothic horror. Mm. Basically like it was it just like wasn't scary enough or wasn't like relevant enough to the times like during mm-hmm. the 20th century and so 2015 there the game bloodborne comes out and bloodborne if you have seen even just images of it leans very heavily into like a european like victorian mm-hmm. era city and like we said, limited light it's dark. Yeah. It's in the middle of the night. Your you... little, your playable dude can have the tricorn hat. Yeah. Like Jeremy at your wedding. <laughs> like Jeremy at my wedding. But it's like the cover, even like with just the the, the rundown of the game, mm-hmm. is lists highly detailed gothic worlds as a selling point of the game. Mm-hmm. And so you've got carriages, cloaks, castles, you know, everything's bathed in pale moonlight, or at the very beginning of the game, like a final gasp of dying sunlight. Mm. And so you could see that they had like this very like obvious affection for that gothic Victorian aesthetic um, for the game. Mm -hmm. And so basically it's, it's, Looking, that was kind of like a good example of Victorian horror used in a video game. Again, some of the plot also, when you start thinking about what are Victorians facing or what, how much science is there and how much medical technology <laughs> is there, 
basically the game takes place in a decrepit city that was known for its medical advances around the the practice of blood ministration. Hey! Over many years, many travelers journeyed to the city seeking remedy to cure their afflictions, and your main character journeys there looking for something called pale blood. We never learn why, but Mm -hmm. it's just like that's what you're looking for. But then when you arrive in the city, you discover that Yarnum has now been plagued with an endemic illness that's transformed most of its citizens into bestial creatures. Yay! And so you have to navigate the streets during the night of the hunt and violently, like, overcome its, like, violently deranged inhabitants in order to stop this plague. Mm. And so you've got the Victorian fashion, you've got the Victorian aesthetics, but then you also have, like limited knowledge of science and let's put your blood into someone else's blood and see and what happens. not and scan either blood for compatibility or making sure that one blood doesn't have diseases. Yeah. Let's just mix some blood and together. And there's a huge plague. Yeah. Yay! So, <laughs> who could have seen this coming? Who could have seen this coming? <laughs> there's a lot of ghosts, the murder, lots of like weird things that go bump in the night, lots of movement out of the corner of your eye and you're like, the fuck is that? <laughs> and a lot of like sinister humans. Right. Even. So that's a good good example of it. Mm-hmm. There was a game from much, much earlier in 2003 called Nosferatu, The Wrath of Malachi, <laughs> which is literally Sorry. just a version of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Sure. And Dracula being written in the 1890s, I believe. 1897. Okay, 1897. Yeah, okay. so, you know, still in the mix. Yeah, so basically the protagonist, Mr. Patterson, is traveling in Transylvania after losing the Olympic fencing event being held in Sweden. <laughs> I didn't realize that was why he was there. That was just a, okay, what a great thing. (laughs) You know when you're sad because you lost um, the thing and you just go traveling? So Mr. Patterson is also on the way to the wedding of his sister Rebecca at Castle Malachi, where she is to be wed to the son of the wealthy Romanian count. The Pattersons are a poor but proud aristocratic family of the British nobility. So there you go. Like some like Victorian yeah, elements. Some Victorian nonsense um, right there. And then when he arrives at the castle, something seems wrong. There's crosses nailed to the castle's door. Um, and he finds um, uh, a religious man in the in the castle who says that his future vampire... Or, his future vampire-in-law. His future vampire-in-law. His future brother-in-law <laughs> is his vampire-in-law. <laughs> Uh, spoilers, spoilers for the game. for the game. <laughs> and basically, the, the now the character needs to fight his way through hellish demons and vampires to guard, to, like, save his friends and family as quick as he can. And so, basically, it, Lord Malachi turns out to be a bad guy, actually a vampire, but you can defeat him with the Holy Spirit, I guess. I don't know. It's just, like, it's, again, looking at that, that... He comes to suck your blood and you just go, have you heard about your Lord and Savior, Jesus, Jesus Christ? Christ. <laughs> But, you know, again, taking some of the religious tones or, like, the lesson stuff yeah. from, from Victorian literature, They did right? love those. They love that. Order 1866, set in 18... Oh, sorry, 1886. There we go. Order 1886. I know how to read numbers. You do. But We're all impressed. Is set in an alternate history in 1886 London. What? I could not have seen Victorian that coming. In the Victorian era. Yeah. Where an o- old order of knights keep the world safe from half-breed monsters, which are a combination of animal and human. So not half-breed in the derogatory sense of like, oh, you're human mixed beings. race. Yeah, yeah, no, this is literally... You are half Half monster, monster, half human. In the game's history, around the 7th or 8th century, a small number of humans took on bestial traits, and the majority of humans feared these half half monsters, half humans, and war broke out. Despite the humans outnumbering the half-breeds, their animal strength gave them the upper hand in centuries of conflict. 
Humanity finds new hope in King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. I did not expect them to I, come into this. Right? Wasn't King Arthur from, like, way before the yeah, 1800s? Yeah, so this is, like, now King Arthur, there's another King Arthur, and he's in the 1800s. Oh, okay, sure. Continue. Um, I have no more questions. So, basically, <laughs> lose, realizes that even with his knights, it's, you know... A losing battle against these monsters. And so the real quest mis- was the friends we made along the whatever. So through a mysterious turn of fate, the knights discover a my- mystical liquid that significantly extends their lifetimes and gives them remarkable healing abilities. Despite this new advantage, the monsters continue to win battle after battle until the industrial revolution turns the tide. Hey! Engineers are far he- ahead of their time investi- inventing technologies that, such as thermal imaging, ra- railguns, zeppelins, and wireless communications. New weapons belch electricity, ignite clouds of thermite on top of enemies, and fulfill dual functions as fragmentation, grenades, and proximity mines. Sure. Additionally, <laughs> within this 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 plot, of, yeah. there's a King Arthur in the in the 1880s, and the Industrial Revolution is helping kick monsters' asses. Obviously. The events involving Jack the Ripper have taken place two years oh earlier. Oh my god! So let's just what throw... What hasn't <laughs> happened in this game? So let's just... <laughs> Throw in everything. Was there just like a dartboard of Victorian buzzwords? I and they were just so. like, all right, Dracula's going to be in it. Be- oh, and so is because- the Ripper. Also. Oh, and the- King Arthur, who's not Victorian, but he is now. So Galahad's in it. Sure. Sir Percival is in it. Obviously. Sir Lucan is in it. He'd feel left out if he wasn't. Lady Ingrain and the Marquis de Lafayette. Like... The Lafayette, guy. yeah. The Siege of Yorktown, Lafayette. <laughs> Sorry, that that sound you just Lafayette. heard was me processing <laughs> what you had just told me <laughs> and not understanding. Lafayette. <laughs> <laughs> he's taking his horse by the reins, making redcoats riding with bloodstains. Yeah, but he's also hunting monsters <laughs> he's in hunting England. Monsters, because <laughs> you know what the Revolutionary War needs when we get right down to it: some monsters. And then, as it also turns out, Jack the Ripper. Is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? He's a vampire. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, my God. And what weird also, fanfic did this come from? Also, at one point, Galahad, in trying to escape from imprisonment, throws himself into the River Thames and then is rescued by... Don't say a mermaid. Nikola Tesla. <laughs> Somehow that's worse. <laughs> so, basically, it's like... This alternate Victorian timeline where there's all these great, great characters all thrown together in a mishmash, but within the context of Victorian England. Can you imagine playing that game? So I'm going to go home this afternoon and look for a Let's Play. Yes, please. Because I'm so curious. It is a PS4 game. So you could it's, theoretically play it. It's an alternate history steampunk game. Oh, you I mean none of that actually happened? I'm going to see how much this costs, because <laughs> I also may just end up playing it. Oh my god. Let's see how much yeah, it costs Yeah, go ahead right and Google now. that. 63% rating on Metacritic. That's Ooh. better than I was expecting, all things considered. How much? Like, I would have expected that before King Arthur was in the mix, and then you added King Arthur and, like, five uh, other things. So, like, could be worse. Damn. Okay, can't buy it on Amazon, but... Huh! Rumor, 1886 will have a sequel on PS5. (laughs) What is there left to explore? I don't know. They order 1887. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that happened in one year! Oh, shit! (laughs) 
GameStop has it for $10. Okay. <gasps> okay. I wonder if I can just download this. Yeah, or I'll just watch a Let's Play. But or, you know. I'm just, like, so curious. I so you take just... so many elements of Victorian England and throw them together, but also with King Arthur and also vampires and monsters. So and many animals. other yeah. things. So... I, I was hoping for more of an answer about Victorian, like, horror in video games, okay. and I didn't get quite as much information, like, I feel like there's more out there, but people aren't looking at it and being like, oh, this is clearly Victorian horror, yeah. or this is clearly gothic horror, it's Whoa. just like, oh, it's spooky and set in an old-timey place. Because all things spooky are in an old-timey place. Um, I did find a lot of games set in the 1920s and 30s Ooh, that then fun. will have, like, ghosts from decades past, or, like, you sure. know, the, the previous generation, yeah. or, like, you know, 50 years ago. And so then that FDR w- has to destroy them to right. save America. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but and the New Deal was actually and his it's a lot of it's plan. It's a lot of, like, gumshoe detectives sure. trying to like discover what's going on in this like old Victorian mansion mm-hmm. so I feel like at least those games have some elements of that but I feel like Bloodborne in particular and Order 1886 <laughs> are ones that at least like delve into the aesthetic yeah so good for I'll them keep looking yeah, yeah good for them I have two real quick ghost stories, ghost stories yes. that are Relevant to Ooh. Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria. Because I was Googling, like, Victorian ghosts, Victorian ghosts. And all I was seeing was, like, there's all these Victorian ghost stories. And I'm like, no. yes, I know. But, like, one, either tell me one, because there are there's a mental floss list where you can get the names of some really good Victorian ghost stories. There are so many Victorian ghost stories. We couldn't possibly scratch the surface on those. So if you're interested in the genre, go ahead and Google Victorian ghost stories. You won't be disappointed. I was, because I wanted, this Victorian ghost is now seen today. Yeah. And I wasn't getting a lot of that. So finally, I just Googled Queen Victoria ghost. And... Courtesy of visitbritain.com, hauntedrooms.co.uk, womanzone.co.uk, visitabdn.com, and Wikipedia, I was only moderately disappointed as opposed to very disappointed. Also, I hope you're ready. I'm about to start some royal rumors. Yay! Not really start them. They're already out there. But I'm going to confirm them because I'm pretty sure it's legit. Balmoral Castle in Aberdeen, Scotland is one of the many residences of the British royal family. Balmoral was acquired in 1848 when Prince Albert, of in a can fame, got the lease. But then Albert died in 1861 and Victoria was very sad and she spent a decent amount of time in Balmoral, growing close to a servant by the name of John Brown. Huh. John Brown was known for being an excellent servant, though his peers weren't big fans of him because he got a little too friendly with their employers. Huh. And that was never more clear than with Queen Victoria. Huh. The two allegedly fell in love. Allegedly's. Allegedly's. While this was never confirmed, Victoria used to sketch John Brown, gave him gifts, and created two medals to honor him, the Faithful Servant Medal and the Devoted Service Medal. Whom among us hasn't invented awards to give to our crushes to get them to like us? I mean, but also, well, I guess this is after her husband died. Yeah. Yeah, never mind. No. Okay. Yeah, don't don't say she would cheat on her husband. He's long been dead. Yeah. Dead bills. Yeah, but... You know, by you the talk, end of this, we, you're gonna be like, "Oh, they fucking." Yeah, but like we talk about, you know, like Victorian morals, and you know, lie on your back and do it for your country. Oh, you know, she's kind of doing thing. it for she's her country, doing it all for right. Country. Mm. I'm so sorry to the ghost of Queen Victoria. <laughs> anyway, there's even a disputed deathbed confession from a reverend who claimed to have married John Brown and Victoria, but the recounting of it was received like quadruple-handed, like beyond third-hand, like quad-hand. Basically, the reverend's sister told the wife of the queen's personal secretary, who told the home secretary, 
who apparently mentioned in front of his son who was nine at the time and is the one who went public with the tale. So it's maybe not like the most reputable rumor, but we're going to see about that. that. When John Brown died in 1883 at the age of 56, Victoria wrote, quote, Perhaps never in history was there so strong and true an attachment, so warm and loving a friendship between the sovereign and servant. Strength of character as well as power of frame, the most fearless uprightness, kindness, sense of justice, honesty, independence, and unselfishness combined with a tender, warm heart made him one of the most remarkable men. The queen feels that life for the second time is to become most trying and sad to bear, deprived of all she so needs." The blow has fallen too heavily not to be very heavily felt. And as I put in my notes, I have heard wedding vows that are less intense than this letter about mm. a servant of hers who had died. They fucking. They fucking. They, they fucking. Fuckin'. When the queen eventually died, she was buried with a plaster cast of Albert's hand, his dressing gown, and a lock of John Brown's hair, his photograph, and his mother's wedding ring that John Brown had given her. They were fucking. You heard it here, maybe not first, but possibly but, first. But you're hearing it again, folks. Here. They were taught, they had to be fucking. They were fucking. Again, like, and this is her servant, that she invented two medals so that she could give them to him. And she used to sketch him, and they posed for pictures together, and they would laugh together, and she commissioned a painting of him, and after he died, she had a statue built of him. You know, like you do for your servant. Your employee? Mm. They were fucking. They were fucking. And he must have been really good at it because she was really fond of him. Real fond. Like, my God, he was laying that Victorian pipe. (laughs) Just respect to John Brown for giving her that good Scottish D. Mm. That spotted Scottish D. I know spotted dick is a British term, but come on. Mm. He was giving it to her good. He was laying that, what's something Scottish and sausage shaped? They do that log tossing thing oh yeah he was he, tossing logs he was tossing that <laughs> um, she played his bagpipes oh she did she blew his bagpipes oh man i'm gonna get so haunted by these ghosts they're gonna come <laughs> over our, from scotland to be our, like fuck you our listeners in scotland are going to be like what <laughs> what <laughs> no they're all gonna be like we all fucking knew it after his death john brown was not done with balmoral his ghost popped up kilt and all because again scottish man Always yeah. wearing a kilt. All of the popular depictions of him are him in a kilt. He, I mean, I'm not going to say he wasn't, like, 1800s foxy. He was. Sure. And, like, Queen Victoria was sad. And who among us hasn't made some choices when we're sad? Yeah. Anyway, Oops. his ghost popped up, kilt and all, appearing to both Queen Victoria while she was mourning his death, and, much, much later, Queen Elizabeth II, whom you may know as the existing monarch of huh. Britain. Huh. She said, allegedly, she has said that she has seen John Brown's ghost at this castle. Huh. Yeah. John Brown's presence can still be felt around the castle to this day, and he is most commonly seen walking the corridors in his signature kilt. Oh. Yeah. Finally, in a very silly turn of events, Victoria herself may be a ghost. According to actress Jenna Coleman, who starred as the queen in the show Ah. Victoria, who was also in Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. if you are wondering why you know that name, She says that on a visit to Kensington Palace, she was overtaken with an eerie feeling. The culprit? Queen Victoria's ghost. In Coleman's words, quote, I think it might have been Queen Victoria's ghost saying, stop talking about me in the first person. (laughs) 
Which is why Queen Victoria is now going to come haunt the shit out of me because I am putting her on blast for getting that sweet Scottish D. I respect you, honestly, more than I did previously, Victoria, for getting the sweet Scottish D. Because I've been mad about the white dress you wore to your wedding for years. This kind of... This kind of redeems you in my eyes. Oh, yeah. Because that's the whole reason that that's I'm, why we I'm do wearing it. a white dress to my wedding. Yep. It had nothing to do with being virginal. It was saying, I'm super rich and can afford this very impractical fabric to wear one time. Bow down to me, peasants. So, I wasn't crazy about that. But then, like, you, you probably fucked this Scottish servant. So, like, respect. This is John Brown. He's not not a fox. He's... He's... he's He's, he is a man. He's 1800s hot. Like, 1800s Sasha isn't going to want to take a ride on those mutton chops. <laughs> I think you know your answer. <laughs> I'm not into the mutton chops. No, but, but in the not, 1800s. If he had, like, a slightly softer looking brother. <laughs> <laughs> His younger brother, Jim Brown. Here's some sketches she did of him. Oh, yeah, you here's a picture of the two of them together. You don't just sketch your servant. You don't just pose for photos with your employer, <laughs> right? Like it's not like taking a selfie. No, with a, you know, like it's, you had to pose for it's a like photo. It's like effort. It takes like time. Here's the statue she commissioned of him after he died. You don't just commit. I mean, she's the queen, so she, she can do she whatever, can do whatever she, she wants. But and what she did was John Brown. I'm just saying it. I'm not, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry for saying he was an 1800s fox. The mutton chops don't do it for me today. But who's to say what 1800s Courtney would have liked as 1800s Sasha was poisoning her? Yeah. Yeah. I think you would like the mutton chops. I think I would. I'm not, I'm a fan of facial hair today. So the mutton chops were the 1800s I'm going to ask your Jack to... Get some mutton chops. Just shave like a really narrow portion of his beard. Good luck. He will not. Because he knows. No, thank you. No mutton chops today. But 1800s time, mutton chops it up. Rock those mutton chops. I wonder chops. how much money it would cost. Oh, you, he literally has nightmares where his beard is gone. <gasps> so Okay, maybe not. It's not going to happen. <laughs> maybe I'll have him Photoshop himself. There you go. Yeah, that's, go. that's more likely okay. to happen. Anyway, thanks for listening, folks. Just, it's, been a, it's a lively spoop hour. Tell us if you think Queen Victoria and John Brown were totally an item, particularly if you are a Scottish UK or hell, why not? Even Ireland listener. And again, one more plug for the Patreon. Yep, we have a Patreon. We have Instagram and Twitter on all of those things. We are Spoop Hour. So at Spoop Hour, mm-hmm. patreon.com slash Spoop Hour, Spoop Hour at gmail.com to tell us your romantic theories about royals from 200 years ago. It's all we want to talk about. Yeah. Have a good week. Have a great week. Lay some bagpipe. Ah! Oh, why didn't I say lay some bagpipe? Oh, man. It was right there. It was right there. I said lay some pipe, and then you made the bagpipe joke. Lay some bagpipe would have been the right... Whatever. Maybe that's the episode title. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe... maybe, maybe, Victorian ghosts lay some some bagpipe. bagpipe. May the rest of your week be the joke that you should have told the first time. everybody or morning or afternoon or whatever my name is adam and i'm matt and we are graveyard tales now if you like stories of ghost hauntings the paranormal preternatural and the downright weird and you enjoy a few laughs as well then you should probably check us out find us anywhere you get your podcast come join our facebook group at graveyard tales podcast or on twitter at g-r-v-e-y-g
just go search Graveyard Tales. That would be easier. We look forward to seeing you in the graveyard. See you soon. And no more half-naked woman on a JCPenney catalog cover. I feel like cover. I could have just taken my bra off for that. I mean, I'm, it's so authentically it like I am 20 I'm, years old. I'm in this just photo trying this dress on, so I'm not going to bother taking my bra off because I'm not buying it because yeah. it's like $130. Somehow I managed to hide my bra straps because confirmed with where my boobs are, I am for sure wearing a bra. <laughs> but somehow I have hidden the straps very well. <laughs> nice keyhole. Thank you. Nice. I to this day I'm still a fan of the keyhole neckline. Yeah. You got anyway, boobs. Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> they grew on me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that was Spoop Hour. Yeah, Boob Hour. Boob Hour. Spoob Hour. <laughs>